I don't think belief is a prerequisite for coming and engaging the scriptures. In fact, I would actually maybe say, if you're coming to the scriptures with an open heart and open mind and even going, I'm interested, I'm curious, I don't know. I would say that's not a bad place to come to the scriptures. Hey, everybody. On this week's episode of the Live Change podcast, we're talking about spending time with God. Now, we're going to go beyond just get your devotions and quiet time in. We're unpacking the all-too-common myths, excuses, and guilt that stop most of us from connecting with our God. It's encouraging, it's challenging, and it starts right now. I'm joined by always my co-host, Joanna Wishart. Hello. Hi, Hi Joanna. Hi. We have our special guest, our senior pastor at LCBC Church, Jason Mitchell. Hello. Uh, Jason, we're still waiting on, like, we know that you're uh, tending bees. It's winter time. Have you winterized your beehive? You don't have to? Uh, no. <laughs> That's not a thing? <laughs> no, not really. You're not like... They take care of themselves. Oh, okay. So uh, They're used to yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just wanted to make sure. They're so. used to it. But what's crazy is they keep the queen 93 degrees in that hive. So you know how cold it is, at outside. least if you're up here in Pennsylvania, if you're up in you know the Northeast, how cold it is. It doesn't matter how cold it is outside. Inside that hive, it's 93 degrees hmm. around that queen or else she dies. How, how do they do that? Do, they <laughs> form a 30,000 bees form a ball, essentially like a cluster around her and flap their wings as fast as they can. I'm not joking. As fast as they In possibly house, can flap them. In our we call that a cuddle puddle. <laughs> <laughs> you have a cuddle puddle? That's adorable. Yeah. yeah. Well, That's- you got something in common with the bees. So it keeps you warm. Are there 30,000 yeah. of you? You should see. Yeah. We have blankets and pillows galore. That's like oh, our that's whole amazing. living room. I like that. Um, well, I'm going to check in regularly with the, the beehives because it just fascinates me that you're a beekeeper, a yeah. senior pastor I'm, and I'm not, beekeeper. I'm not sure I'd say I'm a beekeeper. Do I you have, have 30,000 bees? Yes, but I don't individually <laughs> know them all. I didn't say you They're named them. Named. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Zeke, behave yourself. <laughs> They're all girls, by the way. Oh, Girls yeah. do all the work. They do all the work. <laughs> oh. Uh, the guys That's, do some work too, but the girls do the harvesting and the foraging. So uh, so today, uh, we're not going to talk about beehives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't know what to do with that information. <laughs> I don't know how you know they're all girls. I just, there's so many questions. By the way, Jenny named the queen Beyonce. Beyonce, get it? Be- and, oh. But also, yeah, but also because... All the other bees, you know, they're not going to have mates and all that. So she calls them all, all her single ladies. So it's Beyonce and all the single ladies. Make up I love hug. that so much. I don't <laughs> want to be amused by that, but I am. <laughs> Good. Um, so today we're talking about time with God. And I think this is one of those things that you can talk about it a million times. And it, everyone's got their own opinion about it. But what I want to do today is I want to talk about what some of the common myths uh, excuses and and the guilt topics that follow time with God, and I want to get into you know eliminating them. I want everyone that's listening to this podcast to walk away, kind of saying like, you know, that is for me. Everyone that has up to this point said that's not for me. I want them to say that is for me, and maybe I've just been believing some kind of you know untrue things about it. So first thing I want to say is like, what is time with God for? Maybe someone is is new to Christianity and they're kind of saying like, I don't know what you mean, like church, like church on a Sunday morning. So, like Jace, starting with you, like you know, what is getting quiet time with God? Well, it's actually it's kind of funny that we even talk about it like that because every moment of the day, every waking second of your life is time, literally time with God. I mean, God is 
Paul said in, in, in uh, the book of Acts, in him, in God, we live and move and have our very being. So one aspect is, remember, God is present all the time. You don't need to go to church to find God, like to have God's presence in your life. You don't need to carve out 15 minutes in the morning to have God's presence in your life. You don't have to, whatever, right? So I think that's actually kind of important. It's We're always in the presence of God. And what we're talking about, though, is if you think about just a normal relationship, I'm in my home, let's just say, for a full day on a Saturday. But there are moments with it. So I'm always with my family on that Saturday. I'm kind of in their presence. But then within that period of time, there's specific moments where I'm sitting down with Sienna, my daughter, or maybe Jenny, and we're talking in a more direct way. We've been in each other's presence the whole time, but now it's like we're sitting down to discuss something or to talk. That's what I think we're talking about is the intentional times you set apart to reconnect in a little bit more of an intentional way. Um, I probably like to think about it what time with God is or what most people talk about a devotional life. That might be words that people have used or quiet time. People have used that kind of word to me. What that is, is it's a decision, a personal decision that you're making to set aside a specific amount of time to point your thoughts in a divine direction. That's really kind of in my head, how I think about it. So you're setting, you're being intentional about setting time apart to point your, because we go through our days. And again, even though God's presence is with us, we're on to our days. We're on to our activities. We're parenting. We're, you know, hanging out with our, our guys. We're, we're, you know, whatever, working, doing all that. God is no less real there, but in those moments, it's like any relationship. You still need to make moments where you're kind of intentionally sitting down to hear from each other. Now there's some people that are going to say like, you know, but in time with God, it it should be, it should be a lot of things. So like, I'm going to go into, you know, in in a second, I'm going to go into a lot of like the myths and what people believe time with God must be. Uh, and what it must be structured like and how it must, you know, look. But I want to just give me, a, like, a heartbeat, Jace, for, you know, because we got, you know, lots of people listening to the podcast. Why does this even matter? Like, I'm too busy, and, like, uh, I'm, I love Jesus, but I've got no time, and, you know, like, so why should they even pay attention? Why should they not skip to the next episode of the podcast? Well, I think for me, because... Um, I'm just kind of a simple person. So I just think about in terms of relationships, no relationships that we have in life are deepened. Maybe I'll say it the positive way. Every relationship we have in life that is most meaningful to us is deepened and strengthened by time together. So that same principle applies to relationship with God, um, is by setting apart, like you would never tell someone who is going, who is considering getting married, say, Hey, um, don't worry about getting time together. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't say that. You wouldn't say that to someone who's parenting your child. You know, you know, it's the, really good. You know, the don't, key to raising, don't worry about getting time with your future spouse. Yeah. Like, I mean, it'd be ridiculous. It would be ridiculous. And so, um, relationship with God, those same principles, it just helps me sometimes to simplify it. Like the same principles that grow relationships with others are true in relationship with God as well. And so, um, I want to hear from God. I want to talk to God. I want to, um, uh, I, I want to, my heart to be soft to what God might be wanting to say to me. And the best way to do that is to do, and by the way, Jesus modeled this for us. How many times do you see in the, in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see Jesus who uh, says that he went to a quiet place to pray. He went 
to be alone, to spend time with the Father. I mean, you see this over and over and over and over again, that Jesus even models this idea of going to spend time with his heavenly Father. Uh, and if Jesus had to do that, you better believe yeah, uh, it's critical for us. So it just, it points my heart. It gets, it, it, it creates perspective. When I start my day, and there's no magic time no. to do it, but for me, when I set aside, for me personally, when I set aside time in the morning, what it does is it just kind of, again, it points my thoughts in the divine direction at the beginning of the day, which means I, I tend to see the little echoes throughout the rest of the day of just God dropping something. I am so glad you said that because I just had that happen to me. Like, okay, so... Uh, literally, um, I've been spent trying, one of my new year's resolutions was to have consistent time with God. It's where we spend a little bit of time reading the Bible, just a Mm -hmm. little bit, you know, uh, I'm not, you know, a biblical scholar or anything, so I don't totally, you know, always understand everything, but Mm -hmm. you know, I just, it's putting in the reps. Okay. So reading a little bit of the Bible, get this quiet time. And the more I've been doing it, the more I feel like it's changing how I respond to people. Yeah. It becomes almost like a filter. I mean, if you read, you know, you read, let's just say in the morning, you sit there and you read, make allowance for each other's faults. It's one of the things that Christians do, right? We, we overlook slights. doesn't mean we excuse people when they consistently hurt us, but some things are just slights, just a mistake. He says, make allowance for each other's faults. Well, if that, I've got that ringing in my head, it's probably going to have, I'm probably going to have a moment later in that day where someone slights me or whatever, um, my kid, whatever does anything. And I think that's a, that's a pretty good thing to have that echoing yeah. in that moment. So, so now let's talk. Let's talk about like getting practical with like time with God. So one of the myths that I hear constantly is there's like we talk about it even in the name, quiet time with God. Now there's going to be a mom out there, and Joanna, I really want to hear your yeah. There's nothing on quiet about my house <laughs> <laughs> ever. So there's this there's this myth uh, like, and I see it on Instagram. It's it's terrible. Mm. Like I'll see these posts. I, not that quiet time is ever, you know, negative or anything, but I see these posts that almost seem fabricated where it's a person with their Bible and there's this like perfectly steamed cup of coffee mm-hmm. and a highlighter just perfectly positioned. And it's like, love my time with God. And it just looks quiet and ambient. And I've never had that. <laughs> and I just want, is that what it is? Cause I'm missing it. I want that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it does quiet time have to be quiet. Yeah. I I think for some people, yeah. Like I think for some people that Instagram post or whatever, like that's great. That's exactly what their quiet time should be because if that's what they need, then that's what it should look like. I mean, my coffee is rarely hot. You can ask my husband, Kevin, like I'm probably reheating it like 14 times. I'm drinking the same cup from the time I wake up to like noon when I have to cut myself off from caffeine. Um, We're going to talk about that later. Yeah. So my, my time just looks different, but I think like it's the personal, like, yeah, I I think not getting caught up in the perfection or that mine has to look like yours or that yours should look like mine. Like that's not what God's asking for. He's asking for us to just show up. And so if it is with the highlighters and the awesome journaling Bible and the hot cup of coffee or tea or whatever, that's awesome. But if there's like snow in the window and (laughs) it's literally hallmark for God, you know, it's like, it's, it's, but if it's different than that, that's okay. Okay, Like it's the presence and the posture. So you can, you're, you're saying that on a, on any given morning, if I go to the Wishard house at 7am, if you're having quiet time with God, there's cold coffee, 
Is there is there curlers in the hair? Is that a, still a thing? Is that a thing? I think not. I don't know. Are there curlers? The heatless rollers are coming back. Oh, okay. If so, you must know. Yeah, I was kind of curious. Yeah. But, you know, so like, what what does a normal quiet time like? It, when you read your Bible, what's it look like? Yeah, honestly, for me right now, it's audio in the car after I drop Junie off at daycare. That's 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 a sin, isn't it? <laughs> I did. I didn't. Did do audio? I didn't. I thought you had to read it. Like I'm pretty sure Jesus read his Bible. You're insane. I think that it's listed. Like it's just showing up. And so I have about it's like eight and a half minutes between drop off and getting to the office. And I know that I can listen to about two chapters of whatever I'm like in. Um, so I know we'll get get to resources closer to the end, but. Yeah, right now I'm I'm reading a great devo that kind of is uh, debunking or walking you through the the Bible in a year, and so I know I can get two chapters in on my drive, and then at the end of the day when I'm driving back to get her, I can get the the commentary side in. So, so it's like what 16, 17 minutes, but it's like I'm in it, like I'm showing up, and I love so that. I think that's that that's the, what that's not the quiet time. That's not the like the coffee and the, you know that's the windshield wipers and honking and you know yeah. cutting being cut off and. <laughs> And yet you're you're in like you know Jesus saying you know have peace and you're like did that person just flick me off you know like um, but it's real yeah and, and like I have the highlighters I have the journaling Bible like so you're saying that's okay too yeah it's just yeah. I don't know like I just I don't think all seasons look the same I don't think we should hold ourselves to to making that a thing it's not like a none of those things are qualifiers. Like again, God's just asking us to show up and be in his presence. I, Jace, I, I think you can help me. Um, I think sometimes it's about the meaningful, the myth of the meaningful, that every single quiet time has to have be this, this light moment, like light shining through the window. Every single time I read the Bible, I have to walk away. Like, so mm-hmm. what do you say to the person that's like, you know, you know something, I read my Bible and I don't get anything out of it. Like uh, I, I would I, say... You read a lot of things that you deem valuable. You do a lot of things valuable that you um, don't get value or that you would say you didn't get a lot out of it, and yet that in no way affects the value that you see on that thing. I probably just messed all that up, what I was trying to say. Um, What I'm trying to say is uh, we don't judge any relationship based on that standard. We don't use the standard of did I get something out of it to judge any meaningful relationship. In other words, <laughs> you don't have a relationship with your kid and go, how's your relationship with your daughter? How, how's things with your daughter? I'm just not getting much out of it. <laughs> like Ow. for some reason we apply that standard to God and we That's apply really that standard and, and it's just, it's not a good standard for relationship. What's, what is a good standard is, did I show up? Joanna, you've mentioned that a couple of times. Is my heart open? Am I listening? So I, you know, it, it, like any relationship again, my, uh, what do they say? Quality co- time comes in the realm or in the context of quantity time. Yeah. So you will have to, like Jenny and I might have three hours together. Four minutes of it are really meaningful. The rest of it's like sitting around doing stuff. But we needed that three hours of sitting around to have the four that were meaningful, which means you may go a month. You're reading the scriptures. You're thinking, no, there's, I mean, like it's rare that I get, some, what did you say? Like some light, light moment from, yeah, the, like, like, from the sky and all that kind of stuff. But it happens every now and then. And, and then my heart feels very warmed by something or, or very meaningful. Um, but it was in the context because, because of the keep showing up aspect. Yeah. And then the one time it really hits, 
And I would just say that's consistent with all relationships. It's I think that's in, my bigger point. Yeah, no, it's it's putting in the time. So I it's think, just showing up again. Like again, we do that in every relationship where we show up, we faithfully open ourselves up to our our you know the people that we love or whatever, and then sometimes it's like, oh, that was really rich and meaningful. Yeah. But most of the time, it's just we're just together, and so, that's fine. Yeah. So, Joanna, like, here, here's something that I, you and I have talked about in the past is, so Jason and I both come from a background with, like, we both went to Bible college, mm-hmm. and, you know, Jason went even further, you know, you've got your master's in divinity, and, you know, like, so you know a lot about the Bible. Um, but, Joanna, you, you've sometimes said, like, you know, there's some intimidation factor when it comes to reading the Bible, and, like, you know, there's this judgment of, like, how much do you know? Mm-hmm. And... So to the person that thinks that their Bible quali- the quality time with God or quiet time with God always has to be scholarly. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be doing a proper uh, exegesis of the Bible and you're using big words and you're trying to get to the meaning of the Hebrew. And what would you say to the people that think that this quiet time has to always be like getting into the, the scholarly aspects of the Bible? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like... <laughs> Like I am on a church staff and there's definitely times of meetings where it's like, oh, you guys know in, you know, Leviticus 20, like this happened. And I'm like under the table. I'm like, oh yeah, totally. I know that that happened. (laughs) Um, So I think like some of it is you just have to start somewhere. And so like, I'm fortunate that I have folks in my life that I can be like, hey, like I'm trying to learn this thing or I'm trying to dig into this or I mean the internet is a wild and wonderful place. Um, but there are trusted resources too, that can just help you start somewhere. And so, um, yeah, maybe it's, you're like in a season where you're looking for what the Bible has to say about hope or what the Bible has to say about this topic, or maybe you're just like, I just want to learn more about the Bible. Where do I start? Um, and so I think it, it, yeah, you just, yeah, I don't know that it doesn't have to be scholarly. And I think you can dig in as much um, as you want, but also like be okay with just showing up over time. Yeah, That's how you learn. Like you don't, I don't know, you you go to what, like kindergarten through 12th grade. You don't know everything in kindergarten that you know in 12th grade. And so I think that's the same even with just how you learn faith and the Bible. You just have to start somewhere. You know, I don't know why, but this illustration came up in my head is, um, it's almost like, you know, learning to ride a bike. The more you start to do it, at first, you're riding with training wheels and it looks funny and then you take the training wheels off and you fall off. And and if you are so afraid of not knowing how to ride, you'll never learn to ride. Yeah. And if you're so afraid of what you don't know about the Bible, you'll never learn anything about the Bible. Totally. And, uh, I, and with that said, though, I would say if someone were newer to it, I think there are there are passages and places in the Bible that require more that do require a little bit more context to understand. The okay. Bible didn't just fall out of the sky. It was written in real time in real cultures by real people inspired by God. Which means if someone were to try to start, I would not suggest you start in Leviticus. Leviticus is full of very <laughs> specific. Way, I, I'm calling chicanery on here. I have never ever uh, like what meeting did you have that they were like, oh, you know, in Leviticus. <laughs> well, I I don't know. I'm doing the Bible recap right now, and so I'm actually in Leviticus trying to like decipher what the heck is going on. I just didn't understand what in our communications department meeting was like. You know, like Leviticus. Yeah, you no. know. Yeah. I'm sure anyway. that comes up often. Yeah, of yeah. course, obviously. But but like I would never suggest to someone who's trying, hey, hey I'm kind of interested in knowing more about God. I've never really 
jumped into the Bible. Hey, start in Leviticus. Like I, I probably would say it because okay. Leviticus as, as it's inspired, it's got rich stuff, but it requires way more context. And so um, if you jump into it, all you're going to see is ceremonial law and civil law. So many sacrifices. And the reason why is <laughs> so many sacrifices because God is trying to, they were enslaved people for 400 years before yeah. that. And he's trying to teach them how to be in relationship with him and who and themselves. He's trying to teach them how to not to be slaves. Yeah. Well, part of what that means is you need order now. They didn't have any order. So he's bringing order to the. Well, if you don't know that, you jump in and you're yeah. like, oh, I'm not allowed to wear polyester. So, you know, because that's one of the Levitical laws. So all my point is there are better places to jump in, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it's all rich. It's all inspired. Timothy, or Paul says that to Timothy. He says that all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable and useful useful um, in, in our lives. But it's not, how do you say it? Uh, some parts are easier to make sense of than others. And you should jump in. You should get a translation that makes sense to you. You shouldn't worry about that. And you should get, and you should jump into places like the Gospels, the story of Jesus. If you have to start anywhere, you need to start there. Okay, so mm-hmm. so you said two things there. I'm going to spotlight in case someone doesn't know. So you said translation. Yep. And, you know, like different languages. Yeah, like, so, the, the, so the Bible was written originally, the, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew and the New Testament was originally written in Greek. And so every English Bible you read, anytime you read the Bible in English, it is a translation of the Hebrew or the Greek, okay? And so some translations are a little bit more archaic. And so when the King James translation, which is probably the most famous one of like these and thous, you know, um, has that real, but well, that's how they, that's how they talked. They, they use that kind of language then. Oh, I see. So it was like translated, you know, historically it was translated yes, at I think a different in, time. You know? Yeah, I can't remember the year, but I want to say. 1500s. Anyways, it's long back then. Ago. Long time ago. Um, but there are other translations today uh, that are much more sort of in the our vernacular as well. So I would say get one that you understand. That's the whole point. See, we have to go back to what's the point of the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's uh, not to be just, dis- God's not trying to hide from you. God's not saying, I'm trying to hide and you got to figure this out. I put riddles in here and you got to, you got to go get a seminary degree to figure this out. no, God's saying, this is my word. This is how I have, this is how I have worked in this world through human history. This is what it looks like to become the people of God. And this is how I am stepping into this world in Jesus. To, like this is what the whole thing is about, right? And so um, that's why I'm saying it's meant to be read I love that. and engaged. So find one that makes sense, uh, a translation. Find a guide that makes sense. You know, you, Joanna, you mentioned devotional guides, and there's so many resources mm-hmm. now. I think we'll talk about those a little bit later. Um, but the point is to be engaging with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. I, I don't know why. I just instantly thought of Indiana Jones and, like, like treasure maps and, like, you know, God's not trying to hide from you. You don't have to, like, you know. Yeah. You know. And, and on the other side of that, though, okay, so that's true. And then and there's depth and richness to it that if you let it, it'll take you deep. Mm-hmm. Like it'll, it'll oh, like, like you, that you, I, I will read things today. I mean, I, I've read the Bible through multiple times. I will still read things today that strike me or that move me. Yeah. That like I've, I've never seen. I think a lot of people think of quiet time with God and reading your Bible. Like, do you ever see Marvel's Dr. Strange? Yes. You know, like when he's, that's the one Joanna. Marvel movie I've, no. I've watched. No, that's, 
Yeah, uh, yeah, I haven't watched them all forever. Uh, That's the yes. one I watched. Um, you, by the you've way, you've watched every one, haven't you? It's not about have I. It's how many times. <laughs> um, I'm a huge Marvel geek. I love it all. Um, but I'm Star Wars, and I feel like you had to make a choice. I feel like you, you're either one or the other. Is that true? Or neither. Uh, well, yeah, in your case. Yeah, I just, yeah. You're Willow. Willow? <laughs> I don't Did even know what that means. you just reference Willow? Yeah. <laughs> Willow. Oh, that's so good. Some people are going to be listening to this, and they're going to have to Google Willow later. <laughs> They just remade that. They did. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, anyway, Doctor Still Strange, no. Marvel. <laughs> uh-huh. He's in this like archaic ancient library with like chains on the books, and he, they all like. And I think a lot of people think the Bible is like that. But when I was growing up, I saw young youth pastors with like the Message Bible, which is probably one of the more common, mm-hmm. you know, translations. And they had like tabs in it and highlighted and written all in it. And some of them, some of them were dirty, and it was just like you could tell it was lived with. Like, they mm-hmm. read it on a hike, they read it at the beach, they they read their Bible. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time that I didn't think of it like Doctor Strange in a, you know, library and started thinking about it as, you know, a love letter from God, you know, yeah. that I can read anywhere. Yeah. So. Yeah, I really like that. So, Jason, uh, it's to the person that's listening to this goes like, um, Jesus didn't have the Bible, so why do I need to read it? So, like, you know, like, like, why is the Bible was written hundreds of years after the life of Christ, right? So, like, um, what, what would you say to that person? Well, first of all, I would say Jesus definitely had the Old Testament, what, oh, okay. we, what we call the Old Testament. Um, that was actually the foundation of Jewish life. And uh, many of them would actually memorize large, large portions of the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. So starting with Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And so there's a passage in Matthew chapter three, uh, Matthew chapter four, when Jesus goes into the wilderness and he's tempted by Satan for 40 days. He's tempted to, at one point, well, actually what's interesting is he, he gets baptized and when he comes up out of the water, he hear, this is in Matthew 3. He hears the voice of God, his heavenly father, say, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Right after that, he goes into the wilderness and he's tempted by Satan. And the temptation, every temptation starts with this. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you are the son of God, jump down from here and he'll send you angel. But notice that the temptation is to question who you are. If, because he just heard God say, this is my son in whom you will please. And the, and the accusation and the temptation is really not about the bread and the stones. It's really not about jumping. It's you can't trust God. You're not a son. You're not a son. Because if you were, he would never leave you out here. Now, that's a whole nother thing. But, um, well, let's stay on that for a second. The greatest temptations you and I will ever face in our life tend to be around the, your identity. It's the accusations. You're a fit. You are, you'll never amount. To, you know your past. Yeah. You're not God's. There's no way you've been forgiven. You know what you've done. You know how you promised God you do this and you fail. That's all. That is the accuser, which is what Satan means. So that's what's happening to Jesus. Here's my point. Here's why I was actually getting into that. 
Jesus responds every single time with what? The Bible. He quotes Deut- he actually quotes Deuteronomy every single time. So for Jesus, engaging with the scriptures was so important, a matter of life and death, because it gave him the resources and the truth, maybe that's a better word, the truth he needed to stand against the temptations and accusations that came his way. And you better believe if Jesus needed that, we do. Mm -hmm. So we read the scriptures because they're true. And it's a truth that's transcendent to like, we're not, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about like true as in uh, you get the answer right on a test. I'm talking about a true that's deeper. So that's why people are like, it's an old book. It's an ancient book, whatever. I'm like, then you haven't, you don't understand. Like when Proverbs, Proverbs was written 3000 years ago and Solomon said in one of the Proverbs that a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. That's one of the Proverbs. Okay. So he's saying there's a town that has walls that were defenses. And if your walls weren't strong and broken down, you were susceptible to anything, any attack. So he's saying, if you don't have self-control, that's kind of how your life is. You're susceptible to anything. Yeah. So wisdom is timeless. Like it's that it's that the wisdom of the Bible, albeit three thousand years old, it's as fresh and it's and it's a truth that's transcendent. It's yeah. transcendent. It's true uh, in every way, shape, or form. The New Testament was, you know. Um, there's debate about the sort of the timing, but it definitely wasn't hundreds of years after. Um, it was, it was within a generation for most of the writings of the new Testament, a generation of Jesus living and dying and rising again. Um, no one questions historical, actually no one questions historical records, even within a couple of hundred years. There's lots of Roman writings that happen within a couple hundred years of different Caesars. No one questions the historical accuracy of those. I mean, like, so no one, in fact, sometimes that gives more accuracy. So think about today in today's world, like we, people will write books 50 years after a president about that president. No one questions the historian because yeah. you're talking to the people who were there or yeah. um, you have records to look at. And so uh, it's incredibly reliable. These are, these are just some of the myths that, you know, and there's a million other myths. Um, what I loved about what you said, Jace, is, you know, he said... Um, it's the external temptations like Jesus faced in the wilderness, the external influences uh, we combat with internal truths that we've received from mm-hmm. you know reading our Bible. So, Joanna, out of curiosity, so there's a lot of people that think that um, authenticity so it is a big word. Like, mm-hmm. you know, people use, and so we've talked about myths. Let's talk about excuses. So, like, one of the excuses that I'm kind of curious about is this idea that you have to be authentic. You have to be your real self. And and if God wants me to have quiet time, he wants me to be really into it. So I'm not going to read my Bible because like, he's going to know I'm just not really into it. Or I'm, I'm not authentically present in the moment, so I'm, I'm not going to read my Bible. So what would both of you kind of like say about that whole idea of, you know, like... Um, for the people that are using the excuse of like, my I don't heart, want to be a my, hypocrite. My heart's not into reading yeah. the Bible right now. My heart's not in. I'm not sure about God right now. So like, my heart's not into it. So I'm not going to do it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I don't know. It's kind of like anything else, like that you have to kind of do in life. And so, 
for me, sometimes, yeah, you're right. It might not be the perfect circumstance. I might not really have the time. There might actually be something I think is more pressing than maybe pausing and having my time with God. Yeah. Um, but the times that I show up, they're still always super fruitful or I've learned something or I'm taken away. Like similarly, um, one of our uh, kiddos plays soccer. And so there's usually a practice. Your two-year-old? <laughs> our seven-year-old Finn. Well, I just, I wasn't yeah, yeah. sure, you know. I don't know. She tries to get out there at practice. You have to keep her on the sidelines. Anyway, um, he has practice during the week and then a game on Saturday. Well, yeah, the games on Saturday are really fun to be on the sidelines. Like the practices where it's like, even as a parent, it's like, oh man, I have to go to Finn's soccer practice. Like he can't take himself. He's only seven. And so still showing up in those moments, like I'm still showing up for Finn. I'm letting him know, hey, mom's on the sideline. I'm cheering you on. Doesn't matter that we're not in the game. Um, I'm still showing up. Oh, and I so I think that. sometimes that's like, I don't know, again, like kind of back to where we started. Like, I yeah. think God's asking us to show up and then he will move. And so sometimes it, it's the discipline. Um, yeah. and I mean, I think we could all agree sometimes like discipline isn't fun. <laughs> like even mm -hmm. if you know, it's good for you. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. but it's, it's the rhythm and the discipline. And then I would say, even for me, the more times than I do it, the more it becomes one, just a part of who you're becoming or two, it just like is a normal part of like your whirlwind, if you will. Yeah. And so then it doesn't feel like a to do or a thing I have to check off. It's just like, then maybe some days you even start looking forward to it that you're like, oh, like my that. gosh, what am I going to learn today? Yes. Yeah, I've heard people talk about it like hip. I've, I've heard people um, in the past almost like hide behind, like, well, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Hmm. So like, so I mean, even like thinking about, um, you know, I don't feel like, I don't feel like, um, let's see, holding the door open for this person. So I don't want to be a hypocrite. I'm not going to fake it. Yeah. Hypocrisy is not faking it. That's actually a completely wrong definition of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is not faking it. Hypocrisy is when you do something for the recognition of others. You do it to be recognized. That's how Jesus, he, because hip, hypocrite means a play, a, basically an actor. It was a word from the acting world in the first century. He's like, so you're just doing it for show. That's hypocrisy. Not doing something when you don't want to do it. That's called faithfulness. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's commendable. And again, how many times, you just take it back to any relationship, how many relationships are built on doing things when you don't want to do them, but you do them because you know they're right and good? It, it, I love Joanna's because I was going to give the analogy of getting on my stationary bike at home and, you know, my heart's not into it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make it not good for me. But I love your, your illustration with Finn on the soccer field because what I see is like... Um, it's about a relationship mm -hmm. and, and you're showing up even when your heart's not into it. And I guarantee you when you're showing up, you're still seeing things and experiencing things. And I like that. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the other th excuses I hear is I'm just too busy. Like I I'm too busy. Now we address some of this with the whole, what is quiet time and it doesn't have to be quiet, but um, people have a, are at a breakneck speed, or at least they feel that way. And what would you say to those people that are just too busy to put in the, the, time to, mm -hmm. to spend time with God? I'd probably answer it two ways. The first is going to be harsh, and the second <laughs> one is probably more... Well, don't not, hold back. Not harsh. Um, the It's not harsh, but I mean, it's just real. No, it's, it's just true. Like, if, you know, the reality is you're not... We're never too busy for the things that we value. That's just truth. I mean, yeah. so if you, va if you value something, you find the way to do it. I mean, that's... 
bottom line. So um, that's true about all of our life. And I can tell you the times where I've said I'm busy, the days I'm like, I'm, I'm just swamped, I'm busy. I was also floating through Instagram reels at some point during that totally. day. So, you know, so just that's kind of my, if I were a coach and we're in some way, like be like, you're not, you're not, you're not too busy. So just be honest and say, it's not a value of yours. Now, the compassionate side and the probably the pastoral side is um, what I would say is, hey, start somewhere, Joanna. You've already mentioned that a couple of different times. And don't look at it as a task. Um, find what works for you. Start small. Take a small step. Because, again, God loves. He's a good father. You know, listen, if my son, if Solomon climbs up in my arms for four seconds. That's some of the best four seconds of the day. Mm-hmm. Oh. Your heavenly father, boy, he'll take that four seconds. And he, you got his heart. I like that one. You're not needing to yeah. earn it. So show up. Just show up. I remember I felt so guilty. I used to feel so guilty. You know, this was like when I was a kid. Cause I know I would like, I, I felt like I got to pray at night, like before I go to bed and I'd always pray that spiders wouldn't get me, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Do you still pray for that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I hate spiders, man. <laughs> I hate them. Anyways, those are like, why wasn't the serpent in Genesis one, a spider Ooh, or Genesis three, like, uh, a spider? Like, what is yeah. it? The Lord of the Rings? I mean, it was a snake, Shilo. so it's worse or it's maybe worse. Oh yeah. Uh, anyways, I remember when I was little and I would pray and I would f- I don't know if this ever happened to you when I was at night and I would fall asleep praying. Uh, I remember that. And I remember feeling so guilty because I remember somewhere along the line picking up this idea like this is the king of the universe. This is the ruler of the cosmos and you can't keep your eyes open and you can't stay awake long enough. And then I remember I was reading Brendan Manning and Brendan Manning is one of my favorite, favorite authors. He's had a dramatic influence on me. Wrote Ragamuffin Gospel, The Wisdom of Tenderness. Um, uh, uh, what else? I'm trying to think of what else. But anyways, he's written a lot of books. And it's just shaped my heart in big ways. And I remember reading this, and he said about following falling asleep when you pray. And he's like, what father doesn't want their kid falling asleep in their arms as they're telling them about mm. their day? Any good father, would they would die for that. And I remember just thinking, oh, man, my father loves it when I. So, like, give yourself some grace. Yeah. You know. You know, Chase, you taught me a rabbinic proverb once, um, which it's the only one I I know, and I quote it often (laughs) so I can sound smart with other people. I'm like, well, there's a rabbinic proverb. I have no clue where you're about to go with this. Um, (laughs) You said the rabbinic proverb is the hand teaches the heart. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, that stuck with me because sometimes the heart isn't into it, but doing it regularly. Your heart, your heart will eventually catch up. Yeah. And, and in American that. Western culture, we've reversed that. And we, it's all about self-actualization. And so authenticity is one of the highest values, which means your heart has to be in it before you do it or else it's inauthentic, quote unquote. And life just doesn't work like that. I it sounds yeah. great. That's just not how any life works practically. No one lives that way. Well, I wouldn't, no one would go to work if we waited exactly. for our heart to be in. Exactly. Gyms would be empty. But we say that um, and don't challenge it. 
and it should be challenged but yeah. because you're right no one you wouldn't even go to work you wouldn't do i mean like gyms would be i mean all that kind of stuff and so we intuitively know life doesn't work that way but with spiritual life it doesn't work that way either like there are times where you just do the thing and your heart will catch up i love that your heart's going to catch up so we talked about myths and excuses let's talk about guilt um so this one is personal for me because um this is my lovely wife stephanie this is her number one hiccup when it comes to quiet time. I've missed a few days mm. and I don't feel like I can catch up or pick up. So, 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 and, and now I feel defeated. So Stephanie is a completer. She's a, an agenda person. Does, and does Stephanie know you're sharing this? She does. <laughs> okay, good. Because I'm, I've been married 20 years and I'm You've smart. Learned. Um, <laughs> Uh, but she's an agenda person. She, she, she likes systems. And if she's missed a day or two, then she feels like she has to catch up Mm -hmm. and she has to read all three, especially Bible reading plans, like through LCBC and stuff. And she gets defeated, frustrated, overwhelmed. And, you know, then it's like, you know, three days becomes four days and she's like, ah, and I think there's a lot of perfectionists out there. And I think there's a lot of people that have anxiety about like not doing it right or not doing it often enough or missing days. So what would you guys say to my dear wife, Stephanie, when with her uh, impulsiveness, when it, or not impulsiveness, her, um, what she, that, that, compe- that compelling of mm-hmm. needing to be perfect with it? Yeah, I think some of that is in a lot of places. Like I've heard it called kind of like the day after perfect. So then like, what do you do? Do you jump back on the bike? Do you pick the like the Devo up again and like jump back in? Or do you just like sit there? And then like you said, you have several days after that. Um, I can't remember who it was, but I just saw uh, kind of like a, a women's Devo person I follow. She was just sharing like, stop feeling like you have to catch up. So like either be okay with being behind or just pick up on the day that you're supposed to be on now. And it's okay if you didn't get the other three days or four days or whatever. Um, But just pick the habit back up, just jump back into the word and like God will still show up. And so I think to kind of the call it myth or guilt, like, yeah, you don't, you don't have to feel, um, you don't have to let that weigh you down or like slow you down yeah. or paralyze you. Like just pick it back up and jump back in. Yeah. I was going to say, I think we're far, far uh, more harsh with ourselves than God is with mm-hmm. us many times. And, um, and so I, I'm probably like Stephanie, like I have a plan and I have goals and I kind of break it down and all that. Um, and so then I feel when I don't hit it or whatever it might be, there's a, there's a certain level of like, Oh, I got to, make up for this or something like that. But I think what we have to challenge with that is um, you're making the point, or when I get into the season like that, I've made the point completing the plan. Mm. The point isn't to complete a plan. The point isn't to keep a discipline. The point is to know God. That's it. The point is to tap deeper into the heart of God. And if that's the case, again, it's all relationship. Then it's like, oh, I'm coming because... uh, his heart is bringing me back. Like, I want to know my father. And so my heavenly father, and it just, I don't know, it takes the sort of the formality out of it all. Um, and so I would just r- try to remind ourselves that plans and all that are there to serve a purpose. They're not to be served. And it's kind of like Jesus with the Sabbath. You know, the Sabbath was instituted in the Jewish way of life. And Jesus 
did something absolutely remarkable in the first century. He broke Sabbath rules and regulations. And this got him into significant trouble with the religious people because they're sitting there going, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. And eventually he makes this really cool statement that's very challenging. He says, um, Sabbath was made for man. In other words, God created a day of rest as a gift to men and women. So when he's saying man, mankind, Sabbath was made for people. People weren't made for Sabbath. He kind of reverses it. And he's basically just saying, you got it backwards. You think like it was there as a gift from God to help you tap into, to, to, to know him, to, um, you know, to know more of his heart. Now you've made it the point though, and you've lost, wow. you've lost the point. And so those plans, the Bible reading plans, the structure we put, that's there to serve us to move towards the heart of God, to, to give us structure and all that, right? Those are all good things, but that's not the point. The point isn't the structure. And so you miss a day, you miss two days, you miss a week. Uh, God hasn't changed. So it's like, no, he's just saying, oh, I missed you. Mm-hmm. Like any good father would. Again, I just take it back to relationship. Okay. Any good father. What good. about what about the the guilt of, of doubt? So like, um, I think a lot of people struggle with with doubts. Mm-hmm. Doubts, uh, doubt, natural doubts of like, you know, I don't know what I believe. And so I'm kind of curious, like, what do you guys think about that to the person that says, like, I'm not going to spend quiet time with God because of these doubts that I have, because I'm not sure if I believe this. What would you say to the person that's like, I'm not even sure if I believe this whole Jesus thing? I don't think belief is a prerequisite for coming and engaging the scriptures. In fact, I would actually maybe say, if you're coming to the scriptures with an open heart and open mind and even going, I'm interested, I'm curious, I don't know. I would say that's a, not a bad place to come to the scriptures. And I would remember, and I would just remember, and there's things in the scriptures too that you're going to read and you're like, huh, what does that mean? How is that possible? What, what is that? That's all right. Like, let it be mysterious. You don't have to, again, it's not a, yeah. it's not a textbook to be solved. Mm. And um, yeah, so, I mean, that's where I'd start. I, I think every time, anything I've ever believed started as something I didn't. <laughs> You know, like every belief I've ever had started as a disbelief until I believed. And, you know, I think it's it's something we miss. Well, and how many times, like, remember that one guy who comes to Jesus and he says, I believe, help my unbelief. He says that that's the sentence. I believe, help my unbelief. They live side by side and Jesus doesn't rebuke him. Jesus doesn't get angry. Jesus doesn't condemn him. He actually says, you have faith which is pretty cool. And then in Matthew 28, one of the last things you see is it says Jesus at this point had risen from the grave and he had shown himself. He had shown himself to to people. And there's eyewitness accounts of this that are recorded. So I can't believe how mind-blowing that must have been for them. It's mind-blowing for us. And it says that they all congregated on this hillside and Jesus was in front of them. The resurrect they saw him die. And now he's in front of them. And it says, and they this is so cool. And they worshiped him, and some of them doubted. And that's about, by the way, if you're gonna make up, you don't put that in there. See, this is these are the kinds of things that again just lend so much credibility to the gospels. You do not put women as the first 
eyewitnesses to the resurrection. Women weren't even allowed to testify in court in the first wow. century. Like they were seen to be, they, like you'd make stuff, women were assumed to be making stuff up. And yet the gospel writers have them as the first on the scene. If it's not true, you don't put that in there. Wow. It's so true. If, if you're trying to tell a, a good story. If it's propaganda, you, they, they messed up. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's not. Or else it's true. And you don't put, they worship and some of them doubt it. But my bigger point with that is worship and doubt apparently can live together. So I would say bring your doubts. Jesus is big enough. We'll take care of them. Mm-hmm. You don't have to act like they're not there. So so for everyone listening, and maybe they, you know, maybe you're someone that's made mistakes in the past, and maybe you're someone that um, is afraid of the quiet. What would you say to that person that's like, I've made some mistakes in the past? Or maybe it's the person that's like, I'm not done making mistakes. Uh, do you have anything to say about the guilt of mistakes? Welcome to the club. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, I don't even know that it's mistakes. Like, I mean, there are definitely pieces of my story that hurt. And so then like walking, I mean, I literally like, (laughs) I have a prayer journal on my shelf that the last thing I wrote in it was something really painful. I've never picked that Devo up again (laughs) because it hurts. And so that doesn't mean I haven't had quiet time since then. But I think like there are times too, where it's like, man, God, like, I actually can't believe this thing happened to me. Or you have those moments where it's like, God, like, are you still good? Like, did you see this thing happen? And so like, I think there are just also times where it's just hard to sit in those moments that like you have to, whether it's build back the muscle or the bravery or the, um, I don't know, like you were saying, even just in the father illustration to just be able to come back and be like, God, it really hurts to sit with you right now. Mm. Um, and when you get to that, that's also just the honesty. Like, I think we think time with God always means getting into the scriptures or reading this, like quiet time with God can also just be sitting in his presence. Mm. Could also just be open with a journal could also just be praying. Um, and I think there are seasons in life, whether it's mistakes, whether it's pain, whether it's grief, like that can be hard to just Mm -hmm. be okay with bringing to the table and sitting in it. Uh, you know, uh, it's, I, I love, I love this subject because I think there's something that could very physically, emotionally and spiritually and holistically change for everyone listening if they would just try. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it, it really comes down to like, I, I hope everyone hears us. Um, this, this is, there is no new year's resolution. There is no weight loss. There is no uh, there, there's no being wiser with money. There's nothing else that could possibly change your family, your life, your worldview, like spending time with with God, mm-hmm. like and and having that relationship with Him. So, um, so out of curiosity, like, what do you think? Just just give us a picture of of what you your heartbeat would be for for people hearing this. Like, uh, Jace, what would you, what would your heartbeat be? For someone like, how would you compel the LCBC, you know, family to to take this seriously? Um, I think I would say we have a heavenly Father who loves us so much that He gave His Son for us, and we need 
truth. We need life. We need uh, water for a thirsty soul. We need that. And the scriptures and the presence of, and being in the presence of God provides what we need most for our souls. It is the food for our heart and our souls, right? It's what, it's, you know, it's what fills us up, gives us strength. And so if you're tired, if you're thirsty for more meaning, if you want to know the heart of God, there's nothing more valuable you can do than, than making a priority, I think, to go, I'm going to show up. And God, you're always with me, but I'm going to personally show up. That's why I, I think it's important. I do think structure is important. So Joanna, for you, it's that eight minutes, but you're, you have that structure. You know yep. when that eight minutes is. It's yep. the same place. I think same place. It doesn't always have to be this way, but I think totally. these things help us. Same place, same time. That's why I always talk. We, we talk a lot here at our church, like saying, find your chair, mm-hmm. which is basically just way, saying, have a place you've set up. So your chair is your car, car mm-hmm. seat. Um, set aside 10 minutes or whatever minute, you know, set five minutes, whatever you're going to determine. Um, pull out your Bible and talk to God. And so it might be listening to your Bible. Mm-hmm. It might be on your phone. It might be pulling it, pulling it out. And then just talk to God. And, and, and so I think that structure is important. But it's not the master; it's the servant to to the deeper thing, which is we're pointing our hearts in a divine direction, so that we can tune like a radio. You know, like yeah. we we don't have those anymore, where you turn the knob and you and you get the frequency. But back in the day, you know, you turn the knob and you get the frequency. That's what you're doing. You're tuning your heart in those moments to be able to hear clear, more clearly. Mm-hmm. So right now, I just want to I want a gift. Everyone that's that's listening, I want to give them the tools immediately. Yeah, because one of the biggest things is like you. you let's say let's talk about New Year's for a second. You know, like there's always the Chad resolution of like I'm going to lose 50 pounds, uh, and then you wake up the next morning, it's like I don't have a gym membership. <laughs> uh, there's nothing but crap in the fridge. Um, there's no plan. There's no tools, and it's like I guess I'll start next year because you lose that momentum, you lose mm-hmm. that steam. So. Mm-hmm. Help everyone listening. Give us some tools right now. Let's let's all give some tools so that they can use immediately, so that they can start this journey of quiet time immediately. So, um, you want to start, Joanna? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I would say one of the things um, I actually kind of ran into last year was uh, it's called the Bible Recap, and so actually this year. Um, at LCBC, that's one of our uh, featured Bible reading plans, if you will, right now, where it's like, hey, it's a chronological. You get a couple of chapters a day. They actually have a podcast that goes with it where then it's more of like commentary on what you just read. And so I'd say for me, I've just kind of been interested in the chronological side of like, what does that really mean? What does it actually practically look like? And so that's kind of how I'm spending my eight minutes going back and forth to work. Um, Our website has a ton of different types of Bible reading plans, um, long, short, anywhere in between. Uh, I think folks that are looking to jump into the Bible for the first time, but also those who are uh, maybe more seasoned or comfortable with it uh, and looking for a place to jump in. Um, Uversion is another great resource of just being able to search topically, again, like different types of links. Uversion. Yeah, yeah. Uversion. Yep, so Uversion Bible Reading app um, or the Bible app. 
I, um, if you just type in Bible in the app yep. store, it's going to, it's going to pop up. Totally. Um, yeah. And then, I don't know, we were kind of talking at the beginning, like also figuring out what's something that you might want to know more about and then finding a trusted resource about that thing. So whether it's the kind of brain side of like, Hey, what does scripture have for me? Or maybe it's a topic or, um, something specific. Yeah. I, and, and, and you can Google anything now. Yeah. So Google the topic passages on depression passages on hope, passages on whatever, right? And you'll find it. Yeah. And then go, go, go begin to, I would say, man, do what, what works for you. Just engage. Again, God is not going to judge that. God is going to be like, oh, my son, my daughter showed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So take it easy on yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's about knowing the, the heart of God. Um, find a translation that you, that you can understand. We already talked about that. Um, I think setting aside some sort of a structure that helps you facilitate that I think is important. Um, I'm trying to think of other things here. So anyways, those would be the, where, where I would start. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think what you guys really talked about is, is it's about a relationship. So the, the whole thing is about a relationship and it's, it's about getting over the, the myths, the guilt, the excuses, and just start talking. Mm. Just start talking. Just having uh, this this ongoing relationship with God, and so like I love the U version Bible recap, the LCBC reading plans. You could just go on Amazon and get yourself a devotional. So that's our challenge. Is like we're challenging everyone. Like you know, take it seriously. You know, put it in the time. Don't listen to the excuses, the guilt, or the myths, and just make time for God. So uh, this has just been another week of our Live Change podcast where we talk about how to live this life. I want to thank Joanna and Jason for being here beside me like uh, like you often are. And, uh, and thank everyone that's listening. Thanks for subscribing. And we can't wait to see your comments on YouTube. Can't wait to, to talk with you more. Tune in next time because we're going to have to keep talking about the things that truly matter and the questions you truly have about living changed. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's conversation, be sure to follow the show, send today's episode to a friend, and leave a review. The Live Changed podcast is produced by LCBC Church. LCBC stands for Lives Changed by Christ. We are one church in multiple locations across Pennsylvania. For more information about LCBC, resources from this episode, and ways to grow in your relationship with Jesus, go to lcbcchurch.com.